Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A strange spiraling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even skeptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man. And that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Shocking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soul, and joining me is the ever-lovely, ever-radiant redhead researcher herself, and of course, fellow co-host, Holly Soul. G'day, everyone. Now, today we're going to be jumping straight back into the Eureka Stockade. Now, if you just need a primer after last week's episode, um, basically all the miners got together, the government taxed the shit out of them, they started getting pissed off. They started forming a union to fight back, and uh, one of their own ends up getting murdered uh, during... Sorry, not murdered, falsely accused. No, no. One of their members ends up getting murdered just because he he wanted a drink after midnight. That's right, yes. Um, And that, of course, is the light, the lights off the powder keg. So, time to talk about the powder keg. (laughs) It's always fun to get to the powder keg, isn't it? Love talking about the powder keg. The inquest into James Scobie's death was held later the day he died, on the 7th, in front of Magistrate Mr. Jews. Miners and diggers who not only lived around the hotel, but who had received the hospitality of the place... Quote, unquote. Yeah, and also knew of James Bentley's reputation, did not believe for a second that the man was innocent of the charge. And thus, they also believed that the police magistrate, whom Bentley was basically paying to be a mercenary security at the hotel was doing whatever he wanted to cover up the man's involvement and thus secure his own purse strings. On October 12, in spite of four different witnesses attesting that they identified either voices or faces of the accused, or actually physically saw them kill Scobie, the magistrate ruled there was not enough evidence to go to trial and the group were acquitted. However, the decision of the magistrates was that there were not the shadow of a case against Mr. Bentley, and that he, as well as the others, were honourably discharged. The decision was received with groans and hisses, and it was evident that great dissatisfaction existed in the public mind. Rumour, prejudicial to the character of the bench, and which we were forbear to mention, spread abroad, and it was evident that the matter was not allowed to rest without further investigation. That quote comes from the Ballarat, the Argus? Ballarat's the name of the article. It spelled really weird. There was like five different spellings. But yeah, it's from the Argus in 1851, 1854. Um, And of course they were. They were pissed off. Uh, The feeling at the time is that the hotel owner uh, who had obviously killed Scobie 
Allegedly, Allegedly seem to be, yes. <laughs> well, we can talk. We can say, I don't think his family's coming after us, but still, it's an yeah. allegation at this stage, not an actual surety. Uh, you know, they were running a den. You know, they were running a... I would imagine they're running sex work out of this place. Oh, more than uh, likely. They are exploiting people as much as they can. If uh, And this is an old school reference, and the only reason I know this reference is because my old man... But in the first Porky's movie, right? Oh, God. Yep. The the tavern in that movie is named after a guy called Porky. It's like Porky's pay, Playpen, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's a really dodgy strip club where they just empty people's pockets out and the, uh, the kids go in there thinking that they'll be able to hire a prostitute, but uh, they just get smacked around and they take their money and one kid keeps going back again and again and again um but uh porky's brother who is the sheriff mm-hmm. of the local area oh this is, is always a good thing. yeah it's basically his enforcer and it's sort of it's right in the middle of the sort of the stick so yeah they um eventually the the movie cumulates and them fighting back and and taking down uh porky's did uh, they burn bit. down the strip bar no, they pull out a support, a spoiler for a fucking 60-year-old movie. Uh, they pull out a support beam and the whole strip club crashes into the, like, the swamp that it's- They that's totally stole that, that, uh, that entire movie was totally stolen from the Eureka Rebellion, except they burned down the hotel. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty fucking close now that I think about it. <laughs> that's when you're like, yeah, this reference that I know it, I'm like, all right, and you're talking to yeah. it, I'm like, yeah, this sounds exactly right. <laughs> The diggers held a meeting near the spot where Scobie was killed that afternoon in order to talk about what to do with the situation. Now, they made and reconfirmed resolutions to the effect of, this is horse shit and fuck the government. You didn't do that right. Okay, you you have a go there. Fuck the government! (laughs) This is horse shit and fuck the government! (laughs) Is that better? That's a lot better, yeah. You gotta give it passion. A petition was created to be signed and sent to Sir Charles Hotham, Lieutenant Governor of Victoria. Now, he had replaced Mr Latrobe from the 1851 riots, so we've already seen a change in government, but not a change in policy. Yeah, not a change in attitude. They're still very much interested in exploiting the hard work of these individuals in order to make themselves and the government rich, and by proxy, England as well. Story oldest time, still going. England! Hey, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland all had a part in it at this point in time. Just remember that. True, they're all part of the um, the British United Kingdom. United yeah. Kingdom, yeah. Now the miners demanded that the guilty parties be brought to justice and hanged, with no interference from the local authorities, who they alleged were being paid off, with lots and lots of evidence to you know, support that claim. Once the meeting was done, hundreds of diggers set up camp out the front of the Eureka Hotel hissing and chanting, the murderer, the murderer. The group ended up spinning out of control with a stone thrown by one of the siegemen, even while those who ran the meeting not 10 minutes before ran through the crowd begging them to follow the law. So you've got people who are riling up, they're talking, they're getting more and more, it's churning and churning and churning. Someone throws a stone and the people at the meeting before are like, don't do this, you've got to undermine everything we just fucking did. And... Yeah, they just started throwing shit. Yeah, welcome to mob mentality. You're never mm-hmm. going to win in these sort of situations because someone is. Uh, there's always going to be some asshole who wants to do it the violent way, and all it takes is one stone, and then everyone else is like, "Oh fuck, one person throw a stone. I'm going to throw a stone." And before you know it, you got a fucking ride on your hands. 
again. I'm bringing up uh, football 19- clubs in America in England. <laughs> I'm bringing up a lot of 1980s like sex comedy movies today. Uh, but Police Academy, there's I think it's either the first or the second one. One of the the recruits. He, he, he's like, oh, this apple is rotten. And he throws the apple and he hits a dude in the back of the head who thinks another dude punched him in the back of the head. And then the whole city riots. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these movies. You've seen Police Academy. No, I haven't. Yeah, we have. We watched it. Didn't on, ma- it was doesn't on mean Netflix. I paid any attention. I have listened to none of it. I have nothing in my brain. <laughs> Even as people were running through trying to persuade the crowd to calm down, more stones flew, then bottles, then anything they could find. I'm imagining like pickaxes being thrown through the air. I'm imagining shovels. Molotov cocktails, if they could put one together. Not quite yet. No? Not quite yet. A small group of troopers under the authority of Sub-Inspector Zimenez. Jesus. I think, it, I think it's Zimenez. Zimenez, yeah. Which is obviously a foreign name, so we're going back into the multicultural thing here, people. Yeah. Um, they, they were tapped to quell the riot, as had been done before multiple times in different other gold fields. You know, most of the time you hold them together, they get bored, they get tired, they fuck off home. The government of the time assumed that as the miners grew tired and bored, they'd eventually head off home as they did when facing the Reed Creek riot, which was caused by the unarmed shooting of a miner by a trooper. Unfortunately for the troopers, they underestimated the feelings that the diggers had towards Bentley, his establishment, and the government as a general principle. Yeah, they saw, like, the the Eureka Hotel uh, was not, by any stretch of the imagination, the... Upstanding establishment? Well... It's not like it was the only non-corrupt place. Like, there were plenty of, like, little illegal brothels and there were plenty of little, like, you know, unofficial taverns and stuff. And boxing it, rings, underground fighting rings. Yeah, e- exactly. Like, there was tons and tons of uh, vice going on in the area and they weren't the only ones indulging in it. However, it was sort of symbolic. Like, it was sort well, of- it was the tallest building yeah, around. It, it's the biggest building, and that, that sort of, like, makes it uh, symbolically the biggest side of corruption. It's sort of like- and, and because the police go there for their payoffs, and the government turns a blind eye because they're getting paid off, and the Bentley is able to exploit all these people and, you know, charge some ridiculous prices or beat the absolute, like, you know, uh, rig the games and no one can make any money. And then when you run out of money, they beat the fuck out of you because you have no money. And then throw you out on the street. You know, and it, it just epitomized everything that was going wrong in the area at the time. Uh, and you can understand why they become furious, why they become locked on this one iconic building um, that seems to be nothing but misery and pain for these people. I feel like, like just you, the way you described it, it feels like the town of Derry in the Stephen King universe. It's just like it's the center of everything mad and horrible that mm. is, and everyone's going there to go and try and fucking get yeah. rid of the shit. Yeah, pretty much. It almost uh, for them, I think they'd feel like, like you just said, like it's it, it's it's the spawn of all evil is is in this one place, and it filters out from the one place. Captain Evans, who arrived on horseback as the troopers tried to quell the protest, refused outright to take Bentley into custody. Sub-Inspector Zimenez took up position at the front entrance to the hotel in the hope of preventing the riot from spilling inside. One Zian, I'd like to point out he was probably protecting his purse rather than the establishment. Yeah, you would think if, okay, your rioters are saying, we'll stop if you arrest him. 
you're gonna even if you do a fake arrest, you're just all right, boys. Take him okay, to the station. Look, you let him out the back door. Yeah, I'm gonna take him to the station. We're gonna talk to him, and you know, but you have to disperse. That's that's how it's gonna work here today. That's what I would have done. I would have been like, look. I'm going to take him to the station. We're going to interview him. We're going to go over the details of the case. And uh, if anything eventuates, we'll let you know. But on the condition that you all disperse and go home right now. That's what I would have done. It would, I mean, it would have been an easy fix. It would solve fix. so many problems. Yeah, I, I guess in the perseverance of maintaining your ill-gotten money, um, I guess you're going to offer full protection to the person that is paying you essentially protection money. More than what the British government is. Yeah. That's why I always say, overpay your public servants. If you overpay them, they'll actually work for you. We do overpay the, them. They still the, don't work for us. In the public interest, they'll actually look after you. Zymenis was peppered with stones, bottles and other missiles as the crowd before him moved from protest to riot. Uh, at this point in time, no one actually approached him with a pickaxe, though I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of people weren't eyeing off at one that was close by. Backup arrived from the commissioner's camp, led by Sergeant Major Milne. The protesters attempted to unseat the major from his horse, short of yanking him from his saddle, as he made his way through the crowd of people. They were basically throwing enough rocks at him that he was either going to be sitting on his horse and stoned to death, or he would get off his horse. And he didn't get off his horse. This unfortunately ended up stirring the pot even more, rather than convincing the rioters to head home. So, you have more police showing up. So, the crowd has more targets to aim at. They are not going to calm down. No. All it's doing is, and basically, you got more miners than police, so mm -hmm. they've got uh, they've got a <laughs> yeah. At this point, they're making the wrong decision because they're just making it worse. Mm -hmm. By now, the protesters had destroyed every pane of glass on the walls of the Eureka Hotel. They took pickaxes, shovels, and spikes to the walls, yanking off the shingling piece by piece. So they're now dismantling <laughs> the hotel. Yeah, they're basically pulling it apart piece by piece. Infantry then appeared, trying to reinforce the troopers, but were met with only der derision and hoots. So basically, oh yeah, what are you going to do? Arrest all of us? Uh, we have another quote here from the Mount Alexander Mail. Another dispatch had brought Chief Commissioner Reid to the scene of the action. The gentleman, apparently burning with wrath and indignation, took his stand in one of the empty window places and facing the mob. In the midst of a pelting shower of dangerous and disgusting missiles, was determined to harangue them. But very little could be heard of what he said, except that those amongst the mob who were Englishmen were shaming the name they bore. Two things out of that quote I'd like to highlight. The disgusting missiles. Poop. More than likely throwing yeah, shit and throwing, rotten food and everything yeah, like that at yeah. him. They're throwing poop at the walls like monkeys. Second, Commissioner Reed's solution to this is to stand in the hotel and tell them they're all being very naughty boys and to go home. Essentially, he's standing there going, <laughs> you gentlemen are of British descent and should act accordingly. You are shaming but your <laughs> name. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, go boy, you pig. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost- it's almost a Monty Python sketch. It's fucking sketch. feeling like it. it. It really is at this point. Like, and of all the things, it's like when remember all the way back to our Ned Kelly episodes, uh, when one of the police officers was begging for his life, and he's like, "Oh, aren't you a Catholic boy?" And he's like, "I don't give a shit. No, nah. there's no religion <laughs> here, mate. Like, fuck off." Boom, and then he killed him. 
Um, and it's the same sort of thing here where they're like, remember your British ancestry. And I'm sure someone- Fuck my yeah, British ancestry. Yeah, fuck Britain. <laughs> fuck the Queen. You know. King at that point. King at that time, yeah. So, I, I think, uh, yeah, probably- Actually, not- no, it was Queen Victoria? No. No. 60 years- uh, No, it would have been Queen Victoria. Oh, well, there you go. So, it was the Queen. Yeah. It was the Queen. You were um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's interesting. This sort of attitude, funnily enough, would eventually lead to things like the punk movement. You know, <laughs> Came straight out of Britain. <laughs> uh, years and years after. Well, the Americans say they started punk, but nah. the British say they started punk. So, someone started punk. I don't know. Because they reckon punk started with Convergent the Stooges. evolution? Well, they reckon that the punk started uh, with uh, a band called the Stooges, and that was Iggy Pop. Isn't he British? No, Iggy Pop wasn't British, but he did a lot of t- work in Britain. Ah, that would be um, where it And comes he from. did a lot of co-producing with David Bowie. For a second, then, I thought you were going to say a different word starting with co. Ah, no. <laughs> Coke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Iggy Pop did a lot of Coke and heroin <laughs> and anything else he could put inside himself. Just like most rock stars. Yeah. Finding that his words had no effect on the crowd dismantling the hotel around his ears... Commissioner Reed took to hitting and punching anyone who tried to get close enough to him. It was noted in the Mount Alexander Mail that Commissioner Reed was a local magistrate and that if he wanted to quell the riot, he had many more effective a- avenues he could have taken to do it. Like we talked about, all you had to do uh, was essentially just say, look, we're going to take him in and we're going to question him. That's all they had to do. That's all he had to do. Hide were, were stuff they him out s- the back door. Were they so scared of their money or... Does it go beyond that? Is this just a social status thing where I am higher than you? I am telling you, you to disperse. You cannot tell me what to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm telling you to just to, to, to go away, go away. And the arrogance of this situation, I think, is maybe the problem. I a don't lot know. of these guys would be descended from British aristocracy. If they're not descended, then they would have a look up to kind of attitude. So they would try to emulate it. To have people who are covered in dirt and digging in the ground all day turn around and say, no, go fuck yourself, would yeah. be a right, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You go back out there and you go dig your holes, you <laughs> dirt boy. dig up my gold. Yeah. Now, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Great old Australia tourism. Somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a man was sighting... A man was sighted carrying a bundle of paper and rags to the windward end of the hotel, placing them under a calico covering and lit some matches. If you don't know where this is going, you don't know how well uh, fire goes up in Calico. I absolutely know where this is going. Um, the riders were getting cold, mm-hmm. as were the police officers. And they had and, to get some marshmallows out. And this friendly guy thought, well, I'm going to set a small fire so that we all stay uh, warm uh, throughout the night as we protest. Exactly the same way that the uh, troopers did for Ned Kelly and the Glen Rowan Inn. <laughs> Just to keep everyone warm. That's all that was going on. Smoke some hams over the fire. Of course, uh, not the case. No, uh, not if they, you put it on the side light. The yeah. wind is blowing towards the hotel. Yep. They're deciding, okay, we're not going to dismantle this piece by piece. Fuck we're just going to burn too long. The, We're going to burn the fucker to the ground. Once he had the fire going, he knocked over every barrel of water he could find to prevent the military from saving the building. This is a smart arsonist. Because at this point in time, you don't have running water nearby. It's all carted in and barrels and stuff. So, if you knock over all the water, there is nothing that can save that building. He he wants it to burn. Yep. Looters managed to make their way into the hotel as the police bolted and rolled barrels of alcohol out onto the covered (laughs) balcony to drink. (laughs) 
<laughs> because if it's not Australia doing some looting, there's got to be alcohol. Yeah, it's it's just like going back to our <laughs> the Liverpool, Liverpool riots. riots. Yeah. Um, not only are you getting revenge at the same time. You're getting the, fucking plastic. Yeah, and that was probably the priority in the first place. <laughs> was they're like, well, we can get drunk while we burn this place to the ground. Seeing the smoke, some of the men broke the barrels and spilled the liquor across the floor, allowing it to catch a light as it soaked into the carpet and the floorboards. Yep. Pretty sure there were some people being held back going, no, my grog. <laughs> the horses, sheep and pigs were taken from the stables and the yards and the stables were also set alight. The furniture in the hotel was broken and dismantled into a smaller piece as the men could manage, even as members of staff tried to save them by throwing them out of the windows. Wait, the, they were throwing sheep, horses and pigs through the no, windows? No, they were throwing the furniture out the windows, oh, okay. trying to save them. All right. Sorry, I missed that little bit there. I was just about <laughs> to say, like, the image of someone like, all right, well, babe. I mean, it's, it's probably selling a lot of sex work. <laughs> Sheeps look good after a few drinks, I guess. I said a guess. I didn't say I did. This isn't New Zealand. <laughs> Sorry, New Zealand listeners. We know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Just fam- like Tasmanians have two heads and Kiwis are all shaggy shaggers. Like. Yep. Uh, years and years ago, I was lucky enough to be at a panel with Carl Urban, the New Zealand actor. People may know him from- Dread. His- yeah, Dread. Uh, his current series, The Boys, on Amazon Prime. He was in Lord of the Rings. He's the new Star Trek films. The, yes, his Bones, Bones McCoy in the new Star Trek trilogy. Uh, so I, I was in a panel there with him, right? And then people were asking a lot of questions. And it was, it was really good. And I got to ask him a question. One dude sits up uh, because... The thing about a panel environment, when you got a celebrity, everyone goes really quiet for a little bit because everyone's sort of too afraid to ask a question or, you know, there's a nervousness about it. And he sort of comes out and he's like, you know, come on, guys, like someone has to have a question. Dude stands up and he's like, talk about shape. <laughs> and to Carl Urban's credit, he turns around and he goes, well, there are more sheep here in Australia than New Zealand. <laughs> oh, I saw that was pretty funny. Anyway, after that, after our little diversion <laughs> no, there, no, with, that uh, was with a route and a half. Yep. Now, even as the staff tried to throw the furniture out the window to save it, the mob was outside, so they just grabbed it and either threw it back in the fire or just smashed it to pieces to be dicks. <laughs> save the furniture! Fuck you! <laughs> it's and just out one window and in the next. This could quite probably be the best Australian fuck you that I have ever learnt about because that's a, it's. Every at every instance, these miners are smarter than the people <laughs> who they're fighting against. Um, you know, they're not going to have a chance to save the building. They get rid of the water. They want to start saving the furniture. They start cutting it up as they throw it out the windows. Um, at this point, you accept your fate, grab your personal belongings, you just let it burn. However, it's worth noting that the property of the servants was neither looted nor burned. It was actually carried to a place of safety and treated with respect. Well, there you go. Again, this is a class thing. Yeah. You've got one person who's exploiting these people. We'll um, burn your shit down, but they're fine. They're yeah, on our level. Yeah, they, rec- they recognise other people who are being exploited as well. Mm-hmm. You know. The musicians' instruments, which would have been incredibly expensive back in the day and consisted of a musician's entire livelihood, were also carried from the hotel and guarded by the protesters from themselves. So you have thousands of pounds worth of musical instruments sitting out in the mud. Because <laughs> at, at least, least it's, it's not, not in the fire. Yeah, it's not melting, it's not burning. 
Uh, we have another quote from the Freeman's Journal. Matthew. An immense concourse of persons estimated at between 8,000 and 10,000 surrounded the Eureka Hotel, resolved in the first instance if they could lay hold of the excreted Bentley to hang him without judge or jury. So far, they were doomed to disappointment for Bentley very discreetly succeeded in escaping to the commissioner's camp and by that means was saved from destruction. The infuriated mob determined upon having some satisfaction. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Commenced an attack upon the house, which was soon enveloped in flames and finally destroyed. So Bentley saw the cards coming, snuck up off the hill to the commissioner's tent while the commissioner was down on his balcony trying to save it. What a coward. Yeah. Ran away. But by all accounts, had this coming. Yes, for a very long time. The protesters let the alcohol burn, let the possessions of the wealthy patrons burn, and when the fire looked to be going out, ripped up the fence palings and pitched them in to help stoke the flames. (laughs) The protesters ran a cart into the fire, but when they realised that it wasn't actually Bentley's, they rushed in to rescue it. Some of them actually got burns from saving it. Hmm. When further questions, however, were asked and they realised it was Bentley's after all, they ran it into the flames again (laughs) and let it burn. (laughs) (laughs) That's not his. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Ah, fuck, chuck it back in. (laughs) (laughs) Within two hours, the Eureka Hotel was nothing but embers and toppled chimneys. Feeling their justice was served, even though they hadn't actually gotten hold of Bentley, the mob eased off, no longer angry, but drunkenly celebrating. Because of course you do, if you're Australian and you just burn down a building. Those of a mind, too, ransacked the hot coals in search for bottles of liquor that remained undestroyed, passing around a bottle or two with cheers. Not that they would have gone very far with 10,000 people surrounding the hotel. Yeah. Police only dared arrest one man in this entire furor, and he was rescued by the protesters on the way to the camp lockup. Well done, uh, well done, cops. That's all I can say. Yeah. You, you grabbed those balls out and you grew them and you arrested one guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things where they're looking to have at least one person. Like, okay, we can save a bit of face here. Let's arrest what we'll call the leader. And uh, we'll arrest him and we'll hang him and everything will go back to normal. But it's just these people just weren't having it. They weren't going to lose one of their own. Uh, they wanted revenge and they took it pretty pretty quickly. Um, and in my opinion, they, they kind of took it in a very, uh, how do I put it, 
an honourable way where only the people they were going after were directly affected and, mm-hmm. you know, they protected the the instruments of the band and they looked after the servants stuff. Like, I don't believe that anyone should go about hurting people, destroying property, et cetera, et cetera. But I tell you what, even in this day and age, fuck the rich have it coming. <laughs> what was the movie that was... It was, what, Dark Knight Rises... Where yeah. they were going through and they were destroying the penthouses and shit. We should just call this the movie podcast <laughs> today because that's like the, the third movie reference. But yeah, you're right. When uh, Bane basically comes out and he's like, look, you've been lied to and uh, this city should be yours. It shouldn't belong to anyone but you. And you're the lower car- class who gets kicked around a lot by the wealthy. Go and take your city back. And they do. Like they literally go into the penthouses and they pull people out. Uh, of their penthouses by their their ankles. Um, one thing that I, I guess I'm a bit um, uh, upset about is the fact that uh, obviously our forebearers, um, you know, the people who worked on the Eureka Stockade, they they understood who was repressing them, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think they would be incredibly disheartened if they were to go, you know, if if we were to bring one into the future into our current era, and see just how worship the rich are to a certain extent like as much as i like you know someone like elon musk for example i i think he does some good work and i think his heart's in the right place even if he is crazy as a fucking um uh, Mm -hmm. a mad cat uh, which i think he is i think he's an a1 nut boy but the uh the fact is that people idolize you know the rich and they're like oh you know they'll save us no they fucking won't and our our bezos (laughs) yeah (laughs) those are two of the america's biggest most idolized millionaires yeah i mean like watching the rise of bezos i cannot see a better uh parallel to lex luther in in our real world (laughs) but it's just like i appreciate the attitudes of these guys uh back in the day who were like no the rich isn't they're not going to push us around and they fought back uh, and they fought back against a corrupt government. They fought back against a corrupt system that was designed to make a select people at the top wealthy and to fuck them over. So I yeah. wonder how one of them would react if they were brought 170 years into the future, into today's age. And they look around and they say that this is basically happening again and we're too divided to actually stand together and say, no, fuck you. I don't know if we're too divided. Oh, no, we are. Well, we're, we're divided. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fair to say that we are divided in this current uh, day and age. Uh, but I would say one of the, the problems is like if you look at the Eureka Stockade, it's a very small, you know, this is the target. These are the people. It's easy to fight. Well, they were fighting the British Empire, quote-unquote. Yeah. Now, if you look at the the, the current situation we're in, um, you know, these people, uh, the, the very, very wealthy who are at the top, uh, they control sort of systems that are now becoming intrinsic to our lives. Like, you don't – we just went on a trip to, uh, to the lovely uh, Marimbula uh, for a wedding. It was very nice up there. I'd highly recommend it, uh, especially the little place we stayed, Robin's Nest. I'd highly encourage you to go check that out. Um, not a plug. I just really liked it. I thought it was a great place. <laughs> it's nice and cozy with yeah, good views. it was. Um, when, you, when we went up there, we used Google Maps mm-hmm. instead of using a road directory. Uh, and Google Maps is now really intrinsically linked into our lives. And uh, the people who obviously run Google, they know how much we use Google. So it's not like you still have that one physical representation. It's become more complicated and they've sort of, 
you know, we've gotten to a point now where we need these people who own these powerful corporations for parts of our lives. Speaking of, you know, powerful people and stuff, as soon as you said Google, your phone started transcribing exactly what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just bloody creepy. (laughs) So, yeah, um, unfortunately, I do think we are too divided this time and age. We are too much us versus us rather than us versus, say, the government, which was what it was back then. It was the miners versus the government. Now it's- well, not, not the lower just, class versus the lower class. Not just government, but it was like the the miners versus a corrupt government and people who are exploiting a corrupt police force, and then the people who are exploiting the situation in order to make the other two uh, wealthy. So you know, it's it's yeah. It's I don't feedback. see any difference between then and now. I'll be honest. It is it is hard not to see it. You know, if you're um, if you're well versed enough in in what's going on around the world, I read too much history. That's yeah. the problem, I, and that's the thing. It's like if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I think that's why uh, we like to do these stories because I think these stories need to be put back out there, and and people need to think about our heritage, where we come from, um, and yeah, the rich worship. I, I I will never understand. It's like the TP crisis. Yeah, all the people playing the toilet paper <laughs> at the moment. Uh, of course, I'm. You know, we record well in advance, so maybe that uh, shortage. Out. Yeah, maybe that shortage has finished. Uh, and there's a new shortage. Maybe it's canned beans at this point. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I will never understand the worship of the rich. I, I n- I'll never get it. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, we've digressed. It's time to get <laughs> back Social political yep. commentary and back to history. <laughs> now, while that man was rescued by protesters on the way to the camp, the troopers did not get to rest much that night. Matthew? Several reports came to the fact that the diggers were coming in great strength to take Mr. Bentley and there was a force under arms all night. Basically, the troopers were trying to keep James Bentley safe. So what the miners did was they took it in shifts to basically make noise and pretend they were coming to destroy the camp, which meant that all the troopers were on alert all night. None of them got any sleep while the, tr- while the miners themselves were all well rested and loving it, even if they were a little bit hungover. On October 23, 1854, miners McIntyre and Fletcher were arrested for the arson destruction of the Eureka Hotel. It's not actually known whether they were the guys who were seen, you know, lighting bits of wood on fire underneath the calico, but they were arrested anyway, probably so that the police could go, oh, yeah, we're doing something about it. Yeah, you need a symbol. You need a scapegoat, essentially. Mm -hmm. This provoked a mass meeting of around 4,000 miners who resolved to establish a... Diggers' Rights Society in an effort to protect their rights. Now, this is essentially the very first union. Yep. So the we, anti-gold license, not so much. That was a precursor. This is the union. Yep. So we talked about that a little bit on the last episode, so I won't go over it too much again. Um, but just if you're not aware, Australia has a highly unionised workforce, uh, be it in the retail sector, hospitality, mining industries. Uh, we actually have a lot of unions here, and our unions are different to unions in, say, America. America in that there is not, I'm not going to say zero corruption, but there is far less corruption. Uh, and in those, um, that point, the union movement here in Australia has actually helped uh, increase uh, our wages and uh, make sure that there's uh, plenty for the working class. Um, just for example, I think over in America, what is the minimum uh, wage? I don't know, $8 I th- or something? I, I think, think it's, yeah, it's like $8 an hour for people working in Walmart. So in a similar situation uh, with our Kmart, for example, if you it's were- It's 22 or something. It's, it's yeah, the um, minimum wage for- for someone working in that industry 
uh, is $21. So I think the base rate is, the the base award is something like uh, $15, I think. No, I think it's more like 18 for is a full-time it? adult. Uh, and then, yeah, because of uh, union efforts and organised labour, you're able to negotiate what we call an EBA, which is an enterprise bargaining agreement with the companies we work for. Uh, and that means we get above uh, the base wage because we've been able to negotiate that uh, with unionised labour. And that's how it works in Australia. So uh, this is essentially the first union. I'd like to point out that a lot of American listeners who are so inclined to feel like unionisation, no, I'm not listening to this podcast anymore. Because there are Americans who don't like union. They don't even like the oh, idea of unionization. Look, and that's fair enough as Most well. Most of them are really rich. <laughs> that and look, some of them I'm sure may have had that attitude. And look, I I have worked within the union movement itself, and I've seen how it can do really really good things. And I can see how it can also be used as a power base by people behind the scenes. Uh, to do some horrible things as well. So I've seen it uh, both sides. Um, but I can say that, that the wage that we are currently on is benefited highly by the um, by the union movement. On November 1, 10,000 miners met at Bakery Hill to be addressed by Thomas Kennedy, Henry Holyoke, George Black and Captain Henry Ross. Seven more of their number were arrested for the fire at Eureka Hotel that day, further igniting the miners' agitation. It is worth remembering a few of those. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His names, especially Captain Henry Ross, because they will come in handy a lot in the next episode. Further meetings were organised on Bakery Hill over the next few weeks. Was there a bakery on top of that hill? I mean, I guess that's probably why it was you'd named Bakery Hill. Assu- you'd have to assume so, right? Well, there I was love- just like a chimney. <laughs> well, I love old-timey like naming systems because it's, it's so Black literal. Blacktown, because that's where all the plaques live, right? Yeah. I well, mean, that, that's that why That is it actually was. why it is called yeah, Blacktown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a racist name. <laughs> <laughs> but we use it every day, so is it really racist? Yes, because it was... <laughs> well, it's not like we call, I don't know, Cabramatta what, Wogtown or something like that. That would be incredibly racist nowadays. Matthew's making a face. It's back then. <laughs> no, no, wait. <laughs> Hold on, I'll just... Do you want me to go get you a shovel? <laughs> she keep digging. Back then, a lot of black people lived there and they needed names for towns, so they called it Blacktown. Oh, nowadays, I know. we I, would yeah, never I, imagine yeah. calling something, something like that, but no, we retain it. the names because we are really lazy. Pretty much. I mean, that's what it comes down to a lot of the time. It's just laziness. Now, after those further meetings were organised on November 11, more than 10,000 miners once again gathered directly opposite the government encampment meeting in regards to the Ballarat Reform League. Now, this was protesting against the government's mining policies and administration of the goldfields. 10,000 people standing outside your tent. You'd be fucking shitting yourself. You would. Especially because they all carry firearms. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like some, you know, when we've done episodes and we've talked about gun control, right? Uh, a lot of people have always, uh, well, some, there's a contingent of people who disagree with this and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to disagree. Takes you're all shapes. Absol- yeah. You're absolutely allowed to disagree with us. Um, freedom of speech, hundred uh, percent. But they often point out and they say, look, you know, when you come up against a tyrannical government, 
if everyone, if a citizen army is armed, then you do have a better chance of making a change. Um, I don't like making changes at the end of a barrel of a gun. I don't like violence. Uh, however, the fact that they were all armed and that there were 10,000 of them meant that they were probably given a lot more leeway if they weren't armed. I don't know, 10,000 people standing outside my tent with a pickaxe, I'd still be fucking worried. Oh, yeah, you'd still be worried, but you know what I mean. Like, the the fact that you're able to form a citizen army, uh, it does help in these sort of situations. Not technically a citizen army, because most of these were migrants. They couldn't own land mm. and they couldn't vote. They weren't actually citizens. Lisa, they, were, were, they were immigrants. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean by using the term citizen loosely. It's the idea of, like, a citizen journalist, someone who is not part of the system but is still doing what someone would do in this case they have formed a small uh, militia to say the least <laughs> small i mean ten thousand. <laughs> that, that's a standing army so you know what i mean you also got to remember reporting bias it was probably like two thousand and they just kind of i'd the say so yeah yeah ten thousand seems like a lot of people on one goldfield yeah or at least a lot of people with the same goals on one goldfield mm. Ten more members of the mining group were arrested for the burning of the Eureka Hotel during that protest, and the miners decided that enough was enough. It was time to take their grievances personally to the governor. And that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. So it's a little bit shorter than what we would normally do. But if we added it to the previous or the next, it'd be way too long. So, yeah, so, yeah it sort of has to sit by itself, the burning of the Eureka Hotel. Um, so we've had to structure this a little bit differently than we normally would. So sorry if you feel a bit shortchanged, but we've done like nearly 100 episodes now. So just go back and listen to another shorter Start at one. one. And by the time yeah. you get back here, we'll be on to the next one. So it'll be fine. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so uh, be before we leave you, of course, just a few things to talk about. Uh, one of the projects that we're trying to get up and off the ground uh, is doing some live shows. Uh, now, of course, we live in the Canberra area, so for us, it's going to be a lot easier to do this via uh, Canberra. Um, so we're looking to do a once-a-month show uh, here in Canberra on a Wednesday, and we're just trying to gauge people's interest in that. So if you could do me a massive favor, if you could either go to the uh, Facebook page where I've pinned the post to the top of the Facebook page uh, and just leave a comment. There's a, uh, a picture of a kangaroo, our kangaroo, that uh, Ignacio designed for us. And it says, we want you. Uh, and underneath, you can just uh, post your general interest about one of those live shows. One of the things that I noticed pretty quickly was the amount of people who said, we'd love live shows if you stream them, um, because people obviously can't get here to Canberra and we've got international listeners as well. That's not a bad idea. Uh, we would probably talk with uh, maybe a friend of ours uh, about doing maybe a guest stream or something like that. We'd probably look at not doing our own stream. Just jumping on someone else's. But yeah, you know, using someone else's channel. Um, so that is an idea that, that has been put forward so that you guys can get a little bit of live entertainment because I think we are at that point um, and we'd absolutely love to do some live shows so that we can have uh, interaction with you guys because that's, that's kind of why you get into the game, at least for me anyway. Not so much for Holly. She's scared of people. I'm very terrified <laughs> of people, especially after reading through history. You've done a live show before. You were great. Everyone loved you. Yeah, you didn't see my hands afterwards yeah, and the blood that was coming out of my finger now because I kept picking at it i know i know you have a you have a lot of nervous ticks there 
so that's something that we'd like to get up off the ground, but we kind of need uh, feedback. So if I want to take this idea to venues, I kind of need to say, okay, we've got this many people who are interested in doing it. Um, however, I am now starting to lean more towards a live stream. Um, and if we do do a live stream, we could probably pull it off maybe once a week or something along those lines. What are you um, going to do for an hour every week that I have don't have to fucking script, hour, Matthew? You know, how, you know how long live shows go for? Uh, where, that uh, I don't sorry, have live to streams. script, Matthew? Yeah. <laughs> well, we just improvise. Yeah, because I'm awesome at that. You can tell the difference between <laughs> when I'm reading and when I'm fucking- Whatever Improvising. the fuck. Yeah, yes. See, right there. There you go. That's that's uh, evident <laughs> right there. Me English no good now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, we'd like to do that. Uh, maybe streaming is the way to go. Um, maybe it is just worth us setting up our own uh, stream here in the in the home and, and doing it via uh, that. Um, however, if you are in Australia, um, I'm thinking places, you know, like uh, Sydney, Canberra. All the um, capital cities always have massive listener turnouts. Yeah, so yeah. They probably they do so- like a, a tour of Australia. Yeah. If our Patreon can help us. <laughs> well, you know, if we just have the numbers, we're able to do these sort of projects. So uh, go to that pin post on Facebook, uh, leave a comment, or you can shoot an email. Uh, send that through to weirdcrapinaustralia at gmail.com. Uh, maybe you're interested in hosting us. So we're just putting it out there into the universe to, uh, to see what we can uh, pull back. And, uh, yeah, but I, I think my gut feeling at the moment is it seems that people would be more interested in a live stream. I um, think it's because our listener base is so spread out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, like, that way everyone gets access to us um, directly. So uh, a friend of ours is a is a frequent streamer, and maybe we can uh, organise some sort of arrangement with uh, with her to do that. Um, so She's probably listening right now. She could, yes, Mary if could. If she sticks around long enough <laughs> and i would uh, i'd highly recommend going to check out uh mary amber's uh, twitch channel um she's uh, been a long time friend of ours uh, as has her husband pat and uh yeah you know those are those are options that we're looking at at the moment now, if you'd like to contact us about anything at all, of course, like I mentioned before, uh, you can shoot us an email to weirdcrapinaustralia at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in Weird Crap in Australia into that little search engine. Uh, don't forget to give us a like there. And like I said, comment on that post when you see it. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Weird Crap in Oz. And you can find us on Instagram. We are at Weird Crap in Australia. Now, of course, there are two ways to support the show directly, as Holly hinted at, um, because she loves begging you people for money. It's it's. Well, if we hit $500 a month, I can work one less day a week. You guys get more <laughs> research and better episodes. So this is all 100% and more episodes in your, too. 100% in your benefit. Yeah, yeah. Because we do. That's one thing we would love to do is uh, multiple episodes. So maybe two episodes a week and then mini-sodes and and right now, my uh, our editor is having a heart attack <laughs> as like, I mention all I these different things. Time for this. <laughs> um, so you know, th- those sort of things are, are what we can do when uh, Patreon supports us. And you know, we see uh, we've got a trickle of Patreon supporters uh, starting to jump in now, and we really, really appreciate that, guys. And we will be doing some more podcasting stuff for that site. I think there are currently four, five exclusive podcasts, four, four exclusive podcasts up at the moment. Two interviews, a 
behind the scenes. Uh, no, there's actually there's two there's two behind the scenes. So one five. outside. There's five. Um, so you got a couple of extra episodes there. There's also exclusive merchandise to our Patreon supporters, which you cannot get anywhere else except for the Patreon. Um, now, speaking, of course, of merchandise, another way you can support the show is by heading to our Redbubble store. That's weirdcrappinozaus.redbubble.com. And you can get our logo and our amazing designs slapped on pretty much anything you can imagine. Yeah. Clocks. Shower curtains. Actually, I can imagine a couple of things, but I don't think anyone wants our logo on those. Socks. Socks would be cool. Jocks. Pants. Kangaroo on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> or my face on, on the crutch with like two thumbs up. <laughs> now, that's where the four from the Bohemian oh, Rhapsody on the crutch. That'd be freaky. <laughs> <laughs> hey. One <laughs> <laughs> a good way of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need contraception anymore. Just my face on your underwear. Oh, dear. <laughs> that was a bad idea, Matthew. That was a that? bad idea. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, so, You'll be yeah, wearing it. You, you can get a, uh, a bunch of stuff uh, with uh, our logos, with our designs. Of course, big shout out to uh, our artist, Ignacio. And that's one thing that I, I, I'm really sort of keen on. If we can get a live show happening at a venue... Um, we'll definitely live merch sales. Well, not only that, but we'll definitely tag Ignacio to do uh, up maybe an exclusive poster for the first live show, and we'd sign it and give it away for free. Yeah, that sounds like that's a good a, idea. That's a pretty cool idea if we can get a live show up and running. Uh, so let me see. I've done the social media. I've done the plugs for the merchandise. I think that is it. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think we're good. Yeah. Uh, so if you take anything away from this episode, folks, remember fight the power. Anyone got any Molotov cocktails I can borrow? <laughs> and we will see you all again next week for more Weird Crap in Australia. Bye. This has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head to themodernmeltdown.net.